Welcome to Can I Kick It? This is a podcast about film festivals. My name is Jesse Weber, and I'm joined by... Andy Gramuga. Colin Ashley. Emilio Diaz. Alright, we've got a bunch more new movies to talk about today. Uh, and I, we, were, we were talking about Deerskin before well, we recorded, and we got a little heated, so I think we're going to get right into that, and then maybe we can go over any news we want to talk about. Okay. Deerskin is great. (laughs) Let's get... What is Deerskin? How about that? Let's start with that. (laughs) Deerskin is a movie starring Jean Dujardin as a man who uh, buys a movie camera and a jacket and decides that he wants to make a movie, and also that he wants to be the only person in the world wears a jacket, which is perhaps the best premise ever for a movie. <laughs> that it, uh, the movie, uh, totally, uh, totally blanks on that premise, cannot do anything interesting with it. Which is an interesting thing that Jesse just said because he's wrong. <laughs> See, the thing is, Colin doesn't want me to spoil this movie, but uh, I feel like you can't talk about the movie without talking about how it executes its premise, which is that the only way that Depew can think of uh, Quentin Depew, the director of this movie, director of Rubber the movie about a telepathic killer tire. Uh, the only way that Depew can think of for Jean Dujardin's character to execute his plan is to just start killing people, which is the least interesting possible solution to the problem of I want to be the only person who wears a jacket. Like, he, he, the... the the logical conclusion of this plan is just like, I'm going to be the only person. Which is like, okay, that technically makes you the only person wearing a jacket, but... Uh. We should say it also, it premiered at Director's Fortnite at Cannes <laughs> last year. Yes. It co-stars uh. the wonderful Adele Hanel as a woman who he gets to edit his film yes yes um andy you go ahead sure i i so i guess i would say like i was not as like totally in on the overall premise as jesse was (laughs) i wasn't like this is such a novel premise well i guess I, i i thought it was a novel premise i did not think the specifics of he's the only one who wants to have a jacket was a particularly interesting, uh, like, frame of mind to explore. I liked the movie as, like, a capturing of just his, his, what was apparently just a mental break. I didn't think the specifics of the mental break where it was all jacket-focused was particularly interesting. Um, I, he does a couple of things early on that are 
that suggests that maybe he's just more into like the outdoorsiness image because the jacket is it's called deerskin because it's a deerskin jacket at one point he goes into like this other room where this guy has killed himself and takes this guy's deerskin hat uh late later in the movie he buys deerskin gloves so like i thought that that was sort of interesting as like a comment on like uh on fashion as like a a, a sort of a uh, a symbol of authenticity or ruggedness, uh, which uh, it, he it, it has not particularly earned, right? He like throughout the movie, he's like he's full of shit about so many things. He like lies and claims that he knows things about how to make movies. He 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 has all these things where he's like just clearly like a, a guy who's full of shit about everything. Uh, and I, I think I think the movie is interesting as an exploration of that. I think I where I depart from Jesse is that I was not so all in on the let's let me make sure I'm the only one who ever wears a jacket scheme that like when he sort of his uh his pathology sort of evolves later in the movie i was like well this is not what i wanted the movie to be exploring yeah i guess i just i don't think that a movie about uh the crazy guy who lies a bunch is like i guess as far as movies that are that go it's like decent it's very Dujardine is, like, really, really excellent, but other than that, it's, like, I don't think it's a particularly interesting exploration of that. And I will disagree. It's so interesting and so funny, uh, but also, like, Dujardine, like, he is so good in that he plays, like, uh, confidence and then also, like, crippling insecurity and, like, uh, genuine, like, menace in his mannerisms when he goes about killing these people uh that it is so compelling just to watch his performance and also he does all of that while like maintaining this level of being very funny which is like i guess dujardin's like ballywick because he was like in france was their equivalent of <laughs> whatever like austin powers basically and then did the artist which was a comedy i have not seen it but um he won an oscar yeah mm-hmm. he should win an oscar for this he's so good i, I uh, was gonna say he is an early contender for best actor at the 2020 can i kick it awards but he uh the way that the movie like unfolds is that he starts and he just is like it's shot in such a way where everything looks kind of drab uh and he's like in just like a basic whatever jacket and he flushes it down a toilet and then gets this deerskin jacket and he's like this is the slickest thing ever and it's he's obsessed with it and then uh there's like great moments when he's uh, in the bar where he meets Adele Hanel and there's just two women talking and he goes, you're talking about my jacket, right? And it's just so funny. Yeah. And then he gets... He's like, uh, yeah, everyone's always talking about my jacket to me. Like, that's all they ever talk about. He, like, and, and they're like, what the fuck are you talking about? No one cares about your jacket. It's great. And then he, like, uh, in his convincing of Adele Hanel that he is uh, making a movie, uh, she gives him money to buy tapes and he buys deerskin boots. And it's just so funny. And then he, like... Uh, he, you know, eventually gets, uh, she gets him a gift of like deerskin ba- uh, pants and, uh, he gets the gloves. But he, um, he, he like 
has this weird relationship with like a random kid who is around the town a lot, which I think is very funny and like adds to his sort of like menacing nature. Uh, but also I think it, the reason the killing like is an interesting aspect that is like sort of pays off in the movie is the whole time the score is like this weird, like horror score. And I was the whole time it like, it's not like setting you on edge, but it's like, what is this movie? And it's, like, got a weird energy to it. And then when it turns into, like, a slasher movie, basically, it is, like, oh, well, that's, like, appropriate. Because right, it was he, heading here all along this, yeah. Yeah. And I think it works in that way that, it, like, it is setting it up as a horror movie. You just don't know it in watching it. Right. I don't know. I'm just angry at it for not being better. Well... I would say, uh, for anyone who is interested in the movie still, uh, it's only 77 minutes. <laughs> yeah, it, that's, yeah, that's a like, big thing. It, it, like, does not overstay its welcome. It, like, knows what it is. I, I sort of had a little bit of a vibe of, like, this could be almost an episode of an anthology TV show uh, uh, series in some way. Like, you you could see this sort of story, like, being on, like, a weird cable network that has, like, a weird anthology show that attracts, you know, s- semi-big talent on HBO or whatever. Um, it's it's got that sort of compactness that I really appreciated. And you get all of the weirdo French directors together, and they're mm-hmm. each going to direct an episode of television about an item of clothing. Sounds great. Yeah. I think, just quickly, another aspect of his performance that I love so much is that he, like, has no money and is, like, riding so much on this jacket, but he still plays everything with such cockiness, and it's, like, that sort of, like, uh, you know, bravado without anything to back it up is very funny to me always, and he does it so well. Yeah, I also, I think I saw it. Oh, you know what was happening was I the person I was seeing it with was very late and I almost missed the beginning and was very uh, stressed out about that. So (laughs) maybe that affected. I mean, I I give it like a five out of ten, knowing that that was a little bit harsh. It's definitely worth watching. Yeah. (laughs) But we just had to get that out because we were hot pre-record right yeah and i guess we settled the spoilers debate in that jesse just came out and yes it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know i don't think it's even it's it's that is that o- overtakes the premise of the movie to the extent that it just kind of becomes the premise it's just about a guy who kills people Sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll chime in as the person who has not watched this, so I'll, I've been quiet this whole time, that the one thing I knew about it was that Quentin Depew made a movie about a killer tire, and then he made a movie about a killer jacket, so I don't even know if it's a spoiler at all, but Colin Field did it like it is, so I'm gonna honor and respect that, but uh, it's not <laughs> shining back off. <laughs> yeah. Should we move on to some news? Yeah, yeah, I don't have anything else particularly to say about deer skin. What do we want to start off with? The uh, Kate Blanchett news. Oh yeah, definitely one hundred percent. Is this just yeah. our, what our recent tweet about her was about? No, there's oh. the uh, the two movies that she's gonna do. Oh sure, she's that's also exciting. The, the new James Gray movie, which is sound. Isn't it 
sudden, it, it sounds very much like the new Paul Thomas Anderson movie. It's also set in a high school, I think, and is based off of James Gray's high school experience. Let me make sure that uh, I'm not misremembering that. While you're uh, so that up, while I do that, oh. someone can talk about the other Kate Blanchett movie. Well, instead of the other Kate Blanchett movie, I'll mention that uh, she did recently appear on uh, rival podcast WTF with Mark Marin, <laughs> where she offhandedly referenced "I think you should leave." So we all have agreed that if we get Kate Blanchett on the, our podcast, we will do a "I think you should leave" episode. Yes, that is the agreement that we have all made. Yeah. I definitely was consulted on that decision. You're saying that if if Kate Blanchett agrees to be on the podcast, you're still like, I don't know. I think we should consider talking about other things with Kate Blanchett if she agrees to be on the podcast. Absolutely not. <laughs> okay. That I mean, is the I pitch to Kate Blanchett. Open. That's how we get her. We're like, uh, Hey, you love I Think You Should Leave. Come on our podcast and talk about it. And then we'll also see what dirt we can get about the uh, uh, 2018 can. The only other thing I will bring up is how much I like Where'd You Go, Bernadette. Yeah, that's a good movie. Uh, the other movie she's in is an Adam McKay movie. Yeah. Yes. So the James Jennifer Gray movie Lawrence is called Armageddon is... Times. And the Adam McKay yes. movie is called Don't Look Up. Yeah. It is an Adam McKay movie, which is based on his last two movies, not the most encouraging, but it is an Adam McKay buddy comedy by most accounts, which is uh, exciting, especially considering it's a, a Kate Blanchett, Jennifer Lawrence buddy comedy. Though I will say that when I heard he was making a, a buddy comedy with Jennifer Lawrence, I was like, oh, well, he gets like a comedy ringer in to be the other half. But Kate Blanchett uh, obviously has good taste in comedy, so she I'm still going to give this movie the benefit now. of the doubt. Yes, yeah. she's very funny in that. She's good. Yeah, I, yeah Kate Blanchett one are one of our finest. Not controversial to say she's killing it on Mrs. America right now, which I recommend to everybody. It's on FX on Hulu. Uh, also, I mean, do we want to mention she also is potentially going to be in a Borderlands movie directed by Eli Roth? Probably not going to play yeah. any festivals oh. that one, but um, that was also there's a lot of Kate Blanchett news this week. That is in this same article. She yeah, playing claptrap. <laughs> Shout to all the Borderlands heads yeah. who know what that is. Not including me. <laughs> and of course, of course, she also uh, reunited with Rooney Mara for the Guillermo del Toro movie Nightmare Alley that I believe shot already. I would imagine they're having to hold off on editing at the moment. Yeah, I think it is either not quite finished shooting or editing is taking longer. So like there it, in the mention of like here's like a bunch of stuff that like has been delayed because of COVID-19. Like I think it it was mentioned as something specifically that was aiming for like a festival run this fall that won't be ready. I'm not sure if it's not going to be ready because it's not finished shooting or just because it's post is taking longer than usual right now because of all the constraints and not on everything. Right. Uh this article does say that uh well, what it says is that she finished filming her role, so it is possible mm. that parts of the movie she is not in are not finished. So yeah, uh, do we have any other 
any other news? Well, there was uh, The Five Bloods, the new Spike Lee movie. Right. Is uh, coming out June 12th and was revealed in this uh, interview with uh, Terry Frameau that it was going to be playing uh, out of competition. Yes. That's that's um, kind of big in that Can and Netflix uh, squashed their beef to the... not That was always Can's deal was that uh, Netflix could show a movie out of competition if they wanted to, and I think Netflix was kind of like, Ugh. but uh, The Five Bloods wasn't going to be able to be in competition anyway because... Mm-hmm. Uh, Spike Lee was the president of the jury, and uh, they in that same interview, Terry Frimo said that uh, if at all possible, they would like to have Spike Lee still be the president of the jury next year, or whenever they have another can. Yeah. They also, uh, he mentioned uh, that they still plan on releasing a selection uh, sometime this uh, June, I think, in I think June. was the time frame he mentioned. Um, and he said that they watched uh, French Dispatch, which I don't think anyone's surprised by that they were planning on showing that. And there was another one that he said. He said they saw Soul. He said they saw Soul. Yeah, the the Nani Moretti movie. uh, What's it called? Three Rooms or something. Uh, That's the other one. Mm Mm-hmm. That that in French Dispatch, he heavily implied, would have been in competition. I The impression I get is that those movies will not be on this uh, kind of sol- official selection list. That those are going to be movies that are kind of movies that for whatever reason, are under some sort of pressure to come out this year and so cannot wait for next year's cans. Can. Con. Uh. And even, like, stuff that might be... that might decide to wait for a potential Venice or TIFF, that that also is not going to be on this list. So I think it's going to be a lot of, like, a certain regard tier stuff. Uh, yeah, like, I know there were movies that... I think the three movies that I heard yesterday that were probably going to be in competition that are just going to wait for next year are uh, Benedetta, the Paul Verhoeven movie, yeah. uh, On a Cla- Half Clear Morning, the Bruno Dumont, which that's that's interesting to hear because that was one that I believe I predicted would be in competition, but based on the strength of the French uh, movies this year, was not a guarantee. So that's a little win in the Jesse column, and then <laughs> uh, the new Nadav Lapid movie, the director's synonyms. One of the great films we've covered on this podcast. <laughs> huh. Correct. Yeah. I, I, to go back to the earlier to an earlier thing, I did find an IndieWire article from March 13, which said that Disney did suspend production on all its live-action movies, including Nightmare Alley, so it did not finish shooting. Okay. Um, what did we... Uh, I'm going to move on to next. 
Uh, I know Andy and uh, Emilio saw my first film. Yeah, great movie. You guys want to talk about it? Yeah, we 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 both did. We we both got into the same screening, uh, which um, was her first screening in a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's I, I think, think it's a, it looks like it's a new model she's doing where she's going to be splitting between donation based screenings and like set price screenings. So this one, like the the deal was you had to PayPal her the or the organization that's helping her do this. Uh, Memory, which is the production company that we were right. talking about a little bit last week that put out Crestone and has done a number of other excellent movies. Yeah. Um, so it was $13 to get access. Um, and, and yeah, it was, it was a very cool thing. Like as, as a person who has like spent a lot of time in the theater world, uh, I sort, I definitely appreciated the hybrid nature of this in that, like the way that it was interactive and the way that you, uh, you were, were interfacing directly with the artist, uh, uh, was a, a really valuable and uh, and exciting thing, which you usually don't get in the world of movies. I may, I mean, I am maybe hesitant to call the whole experience a like a movie or or a piece of cinema uh, purely and and more of just like an interactive like art piece, even as pretentious as that sounds. Uh, but yeah, it was a really 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 cool experience. I thought. Yeah, it was good. Um, I don't know I don't really have that much more to say Andy already didn't say it was pretty cool it's a pretty interesting way to interface with that sort of again like live performance piece more than a movie though I think the movie aspect of it is pretty cool Um, the anger is a talent and I think the way that it's executed is excellent and it's uh, pretty vulnerable so it's like a impressive thing to watch and i enjoyed my time watching it and i would like to see more stuff like this yeah absolutely um so yeah i would you know strong recommend that you like keep an eye on 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 zia anger's twitter uh which i believe is the primary way that they announce new screenings uh and just Mm -hmm. keep an eye out for when the next one will be uh whether you're if you're able to afford the 13 dollars that that one you i think you have more of a shot of getting into that like i know previous like f- like donation based or, or or free ones were uh that they tend to sell out really quickly but like that this one the the link was available for several hours at least so um you don't have to be quite as quick on the draw if you're willing to pay um but yeah just keep an eye on 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 her for for more of that uh it's 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 really yeah and 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 the way that like yes directly interfacing with the artist who is giving you an experience this experience uh was really exciting uh and you know it, it a, a thing that i have definitely been craving in this time where it's a tough time for movies, but it's an even tougher time for theater. Uh, and uh, I haven't really had an experience like that in a while. And it was very nice to, to sort of check in with something that, that scratched that itch a little bit again as well. Yeah. I will say that it does speak to the weirdness of the time that I was glad to have a sort of stressful experience that I needed to sit through so I could actually watch something which, as you might tell by the rest of this episode, I am having trouble doing. Yeah. Yeah. Can we uh, talk Capone? <laughs> yeah, let's 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 do it. 
Um, so we're talking about Capone now, the Josh Trank picture that came out uh, Tuesday as of this uh, recording, Tuesday, uh, May uh, 12th. It's available on, on most VOD platforms. Uh, it also is partnering with... Uh, uh, movie theaters in the way that many movies have been these days, where if you buy it or rent it, you can support your local theater. Uh, if you're going to pay money for it, I really encourage you to go that route. Because um, uh, uh, it's uh, not a particularly good movie, as you may have heard. Um, well, uh, yeah, Cullen? I don't know if I would say it's not particularly good. It's very strange. Uh, I only scrubbed through sections of it, but it seems genuinely awful. Like, the worst it's, thing I had watched in a while. <laughs> it's very strange. It, I think, I think, I, I, I agree. It is outright bad, I would say. Um, it is, I mean, so, Tom Hardy. Let's talk Tom Hardy for a minute, right? What He's, a guy. Um, One of our finest actors. I love him to death. Sure. Yeah. He, I don't know what he's doing here. No. He's going for it. <laughs> he's going for something, but like, what is that he's thing, something. Cullen? He's going, I mean, he's going through a, I don't know, like Alzheimer's Elmer Fudd. He's, <laughs> well, what's interesting is like a year ago, whenever they were talking about this, like, like production, he referenced Bugs Bunny, which <laughs> in the movie, he does jump on a carrot a lot. So maybe that's what it was. <laughs> But it's so strange. It's like, I don't know if it's good or bad, but I couldn't, like, stop looking at it. No, it's like a thousand percent bad. I'm sorry. Yeah. I I really want to give it the benefit of the doubt, but this is like, it's like, it's, I think it's only strange because he had an interesting pitch and then he just completely missed the mark. And I mean everything for like every performance in it and then like every, <laughs> then like every directorial decision is like, oh yeah, I see why this could be interesting, but you just made it bad and you did it poorly. It's like insanely uncomp, it's like weirdly boring for how strange it is. It's yeah. like, it looks like doo doo. Uh, Tom yeah, Hardy is that's like not great. The most unfortunate thing is how bad it looks, considering the cinematographer has like done great work in the past. And it's also like mostly set at a location. It's like, did they shoot it in like two weeks? Why does it look like that? I mean, that's very possible. Like Josh Trank, like has not been in like good graces recently, and it's very possible that he had to make this movie at a very compromised like budget and time level. Um, well, that's, but, that's the story of every Josh Trank movie, though, right? Is, is being and also, like, oh, I, they they didn't give me the time. I had to just come up with the thing at the last time, which seems mostly like poor managing on his fault. Yes, I, that's I like would agree the, with that. Yeah. The opposite of what this is, though. The whole his whole story is this is like his vision that was completely uncompromised, like unfucked with, and that he's like, and he's like, people aren't liking it, but it's one hundred percent what I wanted to make. Well, uh, good. I mean, that's like she made a bad movie. Um, Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. It's like I just go ahead. Sorry. No, it's just like it made me appreciate 
the Irish men a lot more, I will say. Well, for like a <laughs> movie with a semi-similar pitch that I that I did really like, but I didn't like love last year. But I, now I'm more leaning towards love because that's like, like the pitch on Capone is that it's a movie about the last days of Al Capone. And it's how about he's just like a sad nothing of a man at this point of his life who used to be like this great figure. So it has like a similar thematic thing to the Irishman, even though it's a little different in pitch. I won't compare the two movies exactly of like a old man looking back at his life as seeing like yeah what he has become. But the Irishman is actually interesting in terms of like it's like interested in what he was and the things he lost. Whereas this one is just like, isn't it crazy that when you're old you become a big lame doo doo head? <laughs> oh my god, what an interesting take. And it's just like the most boring thing of all time. I think like David Sims had to mention this on Twitter about like this new trend of like making biopics about the last days of people's lives and how it's just like the worst thing because it literally every single take on it boils down to like, isn't it crazy that the things you did when you're young don't matter when you're old and gray and sad and it's just like the dumbest thing possible. And I think just like hesitate to care. My interest in it is not, like, strictly the movie itself, but what it is as a movie, and that it's, like, Tom Hardy who, like, again and again just does these weird swings, and every single time he does it, I am, like, compelled to watch what he does. Like, it's similar to Venom, which, like, I know people really like Venom, and I think it's, like, not a good movie, but he is very good in Venom, and I think he's... At the very least, like, interesting in this. Just from, like, it's a movie where he incomprehensibly mumbles and shits his pants the entire time. And he's, like, like literally, like, one of our finest actors. Yeah. I mean, again, I, f- I feel like he did give a good performance, probably. And then Josh Trank picked bad takes or something. Because there's, like, a lot of stuff that is just, like, real wild. I don't know. I mean, again, I fucking love Tom Hardy. I would watch anything he does. I had a good time watching him do his accent in Capone, but I think the movie is pretty bad and terrible. There's a scene where Matt Dillon cuts his eyes out, which is insane. I should just... That's, like, something I was, like, shocked at. Yeah, there. there's a lot of just, like, weird, like, oh, my God, can you believe we're doing this sort of, like, mo- shock moments in there. I don't think many of them land effectively. Um, I think, yeah, I, I, I like, it's sort... I, I think the movie is a little too in love with, like, the idea of, like, this guy is, like, fucked up now. Like, it's just, like, a little too obsessed with that idea to, like, have any perspective on anything other than, like, let's get Tom Hardy to, like, go as big and crazy as possible and, like, just, like, really, like, go there. Um, and, uh, and then it, like, forgets to make anything else in the movie, like, like, interesting or exciting. Um, I feel like we, we, we have to mention, uh, the I mean, Heart of Green book. I will say... Oh, oh I, I was just going to say that in the first 50 minutes of the movie, which is the part that I most, like, coherently watched through, he does both piss and shit himself. Yes. Like, graphically, on, on screen. Um, I was just going to mention, we have to mention the Heart of Green Book, uh, Linda Cardellini, uh, as uh, Capone's wife. <laughs> 
Yeah, who um, uh, just uh, basically looks upset the whole time and is not served well by this movie at all. Uh, it's, uh, it's a real shame because she's uh, terrific and we really need to do better for Linda Cardellini is what I will say. I at no point considered watching this movie. Josh <laughs> Trank has never had a movie play a major festival and I would love for this conversation to be over. <laughs> I will say is my final piece that <laughs> I think you should. Everyone should at least give it a chance. No, no, no. I'm going. I'm going to actively refute Colin. I'm going to say don't watch Capone. Which I'm. You know what? I'm going to make a broader point of, uh, out of this. Oh. Of like, I don't know why. Like post quarantine, people have just been like, "Oh, we're so starved for content." There's plenty of content. Yeah. There's like nineteen thousand shows on Netflix. Watch any of those; those are better. Get HBO. Watch The Sopranos. That's probably better than this. Watch well, Boardwalk I mean... Empire. That's also probably better than this. Watch any show on like Showtime. That's also probably better than this. This is like the epics version of Magic City on Stars. That's how. Bad That's not fair. Is. I don't think. <laughs> I'm not Tokyo. saying to watch it as like. Uh, there's nothing else you gotta watch this I'm saying if you're interested there's like not nothing here I will say I would say there's not even, nothing like, fully here <laughs> like maybe maybe find a 15 minute Tom Hardy supercut and like you'll probably be good is what I would say yeah. when people start memeing at like Gotti you should watch those memes yes <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah I would say I would say so comparing it to Gotti I would say it's I, like a hair better than Gotti. But uh, John Travolta is a way worse actor than Tom that's Hardy, true. like in general. That's true. Yes. Uh, I don't know. But I would you say seen it's Face like, Off? It's, yeah. I've not seen Face Off, <laughs> but like, what's John Travolta's peak? Like, uh, Blowout? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like they're not entirely dissimilar, though. I do think Tom Hardy is better. I'm not asking necessarily to put respect on John Travolta's name, but let's not yeah. act like he's shop livery either. And I think, like, <laughs> from what, I mean, I've only seen, like, the memes of Gotti, but from what I can tell, this is far <laughs> more, like... Yeah, this seems weirder than Gotti and the person who's not... Gotti seems Gotti. like the most, like, pat gangster movie ever. This is, like, yeah, you know, it's like, what if The Godfather 3 was just Al Pacino going, like... Ah, and then, like, shitting his pants the entire time as he's chomping on a carrot. <laughs> I don't know. I think maybe my argument is that in 2020, Gotti is maybe less pat than than Capone is. I've almost, I'm almost called it Fonzo, like, 20 times in this conversation. <laughs> and this movie would be 35% better if it was called Fonzo. <laughs> they do call him okay. Fonzo several times throughout the movie. I mean, it was clear that they wanted to call the movie Fonzo, and then I, I don't know, Redbox acquired it, because Redbox put it out, right? It had a Redbox logo in front of it, so that maybe just speaks to the copy of it I had. But, uh... uh it's we, can, like, we can move on. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, nah. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't watch Capone. <laughs> Give, do better things. Follow your heart. <laughs> don't let either... Any, don't let either opinion between don't watch it or watch it color it. Color your process what then what are we even doing here <laughs> listen <laughs> watch it if you want to don't if you don't the world's finest film critic come on just like turning in full page <laughs> reviews that just say listen you watch it and you tell us what you think <laughs> make up your own mind <laughs>
Socratic film critic. Who are we to who say? Really, the official who can really say if a movie is good or bad. <laughs> I'm not I, good. Yeah. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> Let's talk. About Make your own things. opinions. I mean, <laughs> let's just regurgitate everyone else's opinions. How about that? <laughs> You didn't even watch the whole movie, you coward. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Uh, let's Is there move anything on. else we want to talk about bomb. before we uh, get in another fight about bad education? <laughs> I mean, this would really be a pleasant fight because you're like... Education, I mostly like it. Yeah, you just don't oh, think it's on. like top ten material. Um, uh, I have not watched anything else. Have you, Colin? Um... Not that would warrant discussion. <laughs> Great. Oh, but Capone warranted discussion. <laughs> Listen, it's... <laughs> I believe Colin just means it, it is a new film. <laughs> yeah, like... <laughs> he's got... He, w- he's gonna save <laughs> it for his want... plug at the end of the episode. Okay. Uh, <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> this is the episode where we all turned on Cullen, apparently. I know. <laughs> Oh, I have to, to, like, hold myself back from being genuinely mean to Cullen, like, five minutes ago. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> um, I watched... I watched. scared, you should watch... <laughs> not, like, play games on the, uh, South by Southwest. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is, cut all of this out. <laughs> oh, boy. I, we promise we're friends. Child act. <laughs> um, I watched Pahokee. I, yeah, yeah, as as recommended by our our guest last week, Eric Allen Hatch. Uh, uh, it it it's another one that it was a it wasn't available. It was available through many art houses, but not one of my art houses. But then it became available through my art house this week, which I was excited to support. Uh, the Dryden Theater, as opposed to the Little Theater. Those are the two art houses that are near me. Um, it, it was a really cool documentary. I, I really uh, liked it. I think, you know, it's it's definitely... Uh, it fits in a mode of documentary that I think is... Um, uh, is it, it requires you to work for it a little bit more. Um but there's some really compelling characters captured in there, uh, some really intriguing uh, and uh, thought-provoking storylines, and it like it 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 the in the way that it makes you do some of the work that doing that work is very satisfying to enjoying that movie. So if it's available to you, I'd recommend I'd echo Eric's recommendation uh, and and say that you should check out Pokey. Was that enough of a pause for everyone? Are we ready to get into a movie where we we're, we're going to yell at each other again? Yeah, I mean. I, again, I only have mild reservations about this movie, but I've talked about these mild reservations uh, with people who it seems to annoy, so. Um, Um, So, bad education. Wait, uh, uh, Jesse, have you not watched anything else? Uh, that would merit this nope. question as a new film? Nope. Okay. I have not. I don't think. I can look at what I've watched and make sure it's totally possible I forgot something. Great. Uh, yeah, let's let's try to find a movie that I don't remember watching to talk about. <laughs> oh, I've been watching, like, some uh, um, short films by, like, uh, um... Uh, people from the uh, 
uh, annoyance theater kind of scene. Uh, your Connor O'Malley's, your John Reynolds's, your Carmen Christopher's. Uh, but I don't know. I feel like maybe we can do something more with that at some point. So I'll hold off on that. And uh, yeah. That's basically all I've watched over the last week. <laughs> Except for bad education. And prep for our our uh, our upcoming jury, perhaps. Uh yeah. We're all working very hard to make sure we've all mm-hmm. seen all the movies for the next year. Yep. Um I've watched yeah, sure. half of one of the movies. <laughs> Great. <laughs> and um, made gestures towards watching others. <laughs> So glad I have watched several of them. Um, okay, uh, let's talk about Bad Education, because I'm excited to talk yeah. about this movie, folks. Um, this movie, I was the first among us to see. I saw it at Toronto last year. Uh, it was, I think, its second or third public screening. Uh, the uh, Corey Finley, the director, was there. Was uh, I, I mostly was seeing this movie, one, because I love Hugh Jackman, and two, because uh, Corey Finley, uh, his first feature, uh, Thoroughbreds, was one that I really loved. It was on my top ten of that year, and it had been a Sundance hit. Um, I remember there was a lot of buzz coming out for that one, and then I saw it and was like, oh yeah, this is like the real deal. Um, uh, the sc- screenwriter was also in attendance at the screening I saw, Mike Mikowski. Uh, it's, uh, it's the true story of a, uh, Long Island, um, school district, uh, who, where it slowly sort of came out, uh, that, uh, the administration had been, uh, improperly using funds, uh, from the school district for, uh, a very long time. And also this, this superintendent played by Hugh Jackman had some other, like, secrets come forward as well. Uh, it's, uh... I, I, it stars Hugh Jackman. It's it's got Allison Janney in it. A really stacked supporting cast. Uh, Annalee Ashford's in it. Um, uh, Jeremy Shamos gives in a really good performance. Um, uh, who else? Even um, Spinella. Ray Romano. Spinella. Ray Romano is really good. What's the guy Jimmy from uh, American Vandal's name? Um, he's Jimmy good. Tatro. J- yeah, Jimmy Tatro. He's really good. Um, uh, all, all, every, almost Your everyone playing a, a, a pretty, a pretty fun accent, because uh, it is like a fun like Long Island accent. Uh, and when I saw that movie, I w- when I saw it in Toronto, I was like, this movie is really cool. This movie is really fun. Uh, and it was my de facto number one of the year going into this year because I don't think I'd only seen two or other releases at Toronto that were were meant for 2020. Um, and it still is my number one of the year at the moment. Uh, nothing has uh, dethroned it yet, and we'll see how the rest of this year looks. I'm sure there'll be other good movies that I maybe like better. But uh, I think it's it's just a it's a it's a, a real powerhouse performance from Hugh Jackman, who uh, I have long thought is like one of our finest and most interesting actors. He chooses really weird material a lot of the time. Uh, a and, lot of um, the time. <laughs> I'm not going to say he doesn't sometimes, but I mean, part of it is that he, because of being tied up in X-Men, he hasn't necessarily had a ton of chances to choose weird material. So I'm not necessarily impugning him, but like, I don't feel like there are a lot of weird Hugh Jackman movies. I mean, like, 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 I, I don't know. And a lot of the times it's bad, like, right? Like, so like, he's like, he's prominently in like movie 43, Right, well, like, and like, okay, he's like one of the big sure. stars in that movie. Um, yes. he's uh, he's he's Chappy. Hmm? 
He's in Chappie. Chappie, yeah, right? Uh, Chappie, Pan, Eddie the Eagle. He's got some weird Right, he's in, like, that that weird Butter movie that, like, was, like, a big deal and had, like, a weird stack cast. Um, Yeah, I like Butter. I should watch that movie. To be clear, I'm not saying I like the movie Butter and I should watch it again. I'm saying I like the food Butter. And as a consequence of that, maybe I should watch the movie that is called Butter. That is about Butter. Sure. Um, but yeah, so, so I think, and I think this is, so back to bad education, I think this is one of his, like, most exciting performances ever. Uh, it really taps into, like, a lot of what he does very well, which is, like, you know, he's the greatest showman. He's, like, the guy who, like, can really, like, sell you with charisma, but then there's, like, always a little something where you're like, "Mm, I wonder if there's anything else going on there. And then in this movie, there's like a lot else going on there. And I really think he's really terrific in it. And I thought it was just an incredible performance from him. Good neck acting from him. Yeah. Yeah, I'll agree. I think Hugh Jackman is very good in it. Um, I really like the way this movie looks. It was shot, uh, you know, 35 millimeters, got a great, uh, like vibe to it of being this like early 2000s set movie uh, get some fun needle drops out of that and I think um, the aspect of it that I was the biggest fan of is the like uh, Geraldine Viswanathan and like uh, Nat Wolf or is it Alex Wolf Alex it's whichever Alex. it's the Alex bad Wolf. one All well right. no he's the good one <laughs> We can't have a Wolf Brothers d- debate in the middle of this. Uh, <laughs> of, like, the yeah, I, student... I, I mean... Go ahead. We'll save the out. We'll wait for <laughs> another time. Okay, sure. It's, like, this, the student newspaper that is investigating uh, why they're spending so much money on this skywalk that nobody wants and, like, finds more uh, out about the money sort of... Uh, expenditures that Hugh Jackman's using and has like a sort of all the president's men vibe to it that uh was very interesting and it's like uh I watched it it came out um a few weeks ago on HBO and uh I watched it like the Sunday after it came out like midday and I think that's like the perfect way to watch that movie because it's one that I was like oh I could 100% like lazy Sunday afternoon, just, like, watch this again. Like, it's perfect for that, I think. Mm-hmm. Trying to think what good things I have to say about it before I get into my issues. I mean, basically, I agree with most of what's been... Well, I agree with what Andy said. Uh, <laughs> <Jesus>. I, I think... <laughs> no, I don't know. I think that one of my problems is that the Geraldine Viswanathan section, even though she's very good, doesn't really add up to much. Like, it... uh, I think we're gonna go full spoilers on this one, too. It kind of gestures at its importance with the, the, like, uh, the post-movie text on the screen with, like, Oh, all these other places found out, but she was first, which, like, okay, but they were gonna clearly going to find out anyway. Like, uh, I don't know. It's like gesturing at her importance without actually making her character important. Well, I think that has. Yeah, go ahead. uh, It's a. It's an entertaining movie. It's Jackman's really good. Swanathan's really good. Pretty much everyone's good in it. 
My first thought as I was watching it was like, oh, Hugh Jackman's doing kind of a weird accent. And then my second thought watching it was, wow, Allison Janney is perfectly matching Hugh Jackman's weird <laughs> accent. Uh, but I got used to that, probably because they were all doing the same weird accent, except for Ray Romano, who just sounds like Ray Romano. Sure. He's Ray Romano. Sounds like you've never been to Long Island. You know? Yeah, I guess I haven't. Have I? <laughs> Who's oh, that? So. Who's, who's, who's guest appearing on our podcast That's without Fonzo. having cleared us before? <laughs> yeah. <fucking> bomb. <laughs> my pitch perfect Fonzo impression. <laughs> In the middle of the bad education segment. Um, okay. I, I, to respond to uh, Jesse's piece about the Geraldine Miswanathan character, uh, I would say, so like that character, I think, is it. so a lot of the movie is sort of very interesting to me in that uh Hugh Jackman's character Frank is like extremely good at his job like he like yes. he has like done a lot to like get this uh school uh district up to um like the place that they want it to be a lot of the people around him don't really care like why he's doing that because they just like are like happy that like real estate prices are going up or whatever um but uh but he's extremely good at his job you see him several times throughout like he's ex- incredibly invested in the district you see him like mm-hmm. late at one point like working with like a group of like young elementary school students running like a Q&A with them he interacts several times with like a parent of a disgruntled child who like mm. is like being too pushy about like what her child needs and, and all that um and like he clearly is like support like able to assess that and handle that very well uh and he is unable to not help push this student uh to uh her her full success in the field of the school newspaper right she she says several times early early on it's just a puff piece i'm writing on this the sky walk or whatever that they're creating uh and he like pushes her to make it something more um and so like it's very interesting in that like how to me how that stuff is tied up with like the the other stuff about him where he's like incredibly vain right and uh and is very like the appearances of looking like things are good is very important right the ma- the big project that this all breaks around is a big it's just going to be like a big like hallway in the sky that has glass in it i think is like is what a skywalk is right there's the, it's not going to be like anything that necessarily helps people learn a lot better but it like inc- improves morale or whatever so it'll help push them to number one is, is like i think the theory um so so his pushing towards excellence in like the real academic stuff that is actually important and then also how he has tied that up in his mind with like the importance of putting on this outward appearance of being incredibly successful and like, incredibly put together and like young and, and handsome and all that stuff uh i think uh i think it ties it together interestingly in the movie and it's like a it's a thematic thread that i really appreciate is what i would yeah, say yeah you kind of lost the thread of convincing me that uh, the geraldine the swanathon stuff is important but you did make me like the movie a little bit better <laughs> what about that I scene mean- where she's at the apartment and hugh jackman goes there at the same time it's so thrilling oh yeah that scene's great yeah it's a good scene i think i will be i'll say that like i understand where jesse's coming from and i do kind of feel some mm-hmm. right like it's like the problem is not that she's of consequence i think that she is of consequence i think like even with the last bit of text at the end i think it suggests that like 
even if the other places the other places were never gonna break it without her so even though if they did it bigger and better she's the one who like unraveled the whole thing i think it doesn't fully give her like like uh her a perspective as a character it's like a main character on the level of uh frank because and that is maybe what jesse is responding to and i think that is maybe a problem with it that it's not fully giving her a shot from her perspective and understanding like why she would want to do this completely except for like a lark but well yeah and well and she is also like she's she is like the main composite character in the story Mm -hmm. like in reality like the story was broken by this the school newspaper but like by many students working together Mm -hmm. and i think like her having to have that plot function definitely shows a little bit um in 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 like she definitely has like real character stuff to play uh her stuff with her dad i think in particularly is like pulls at some interesting thematic threads uh but (laughs) but you definitely do see the work most of like yes we've had to compress this story to be this runtime uh by by her just mention Geraldine Viswanathan's dad which gets me to my larger problem with the movie which is that it has a very strange way of doling out information that does not work for me and I think that the very much the most emblematic piece of that is that like there's like an hour of the movie where like you know that her dad has been fired for something kind of shady uh but you don't know exactly what it is and then there's a scene where she's like uh were you where where Geraldine is like were were you with were you involved with uh with with what happened at your job and he's like you mean the insider trading as if it's like this huge bombshell that he was involved in like insider trading and it's like this is not a big reveal. Like it, we knew that something was going on. It's been very clear. It doesn't. I don't care exactly what it was. That's not. It's not an interesting reveal that it was insider trading. And he like maybe it's partially the actor just like putting just a touch too much paprika on that line delivery of I mean- the insider trading. You are definitely I, exaggerating. Whatever I'm exaggerating. Yeah, I, I don't think, think it was played a, as that big of a also, moment. It, it, it's also a clumsy line. I think it's also just a clumsy line. I just find that part of the movie very clumsy and made me be like, okay, do they know exactly what they're doing here? I don't. I don't think it's playing the, or it's using that moment as like uh, this big reveal of what he did. I think it's just that he did something and she's using that as her reasoning for going forward is because he d- does this whole story about that he didn't like report his like co-workers who he knew that were doing insider trading and right. like what makes him complicit in that and that like is weighing on her conscience so like if she knows this stuff and doesn't give it to like her editor or whatever <laughs> right i know if- i'm just like why didn't you just say an hour ago that he got fired because there was insider trading going on like, it's actually more interesting if it's like, oh, we know that he was fired because there was insider trading going on in his work, and then an hour in, she's like, were you involved with that insider trading? I think that would be a better way of doling out information. And for him to then be like, well, no, but I knew it was going on and I didn't say anything. Um, 
yeah, I guess I would say in response to that, like, I think I sort of see where you're coming from. There is definitely an element of this movie where, like, it is built on the sort of, like, and it actually gets worse sort of style of storytelling where like there's like it's just like oh you think it's like this is what's been going on the whole time and then it's like no but actually it's really been this the whole like it does that a lot in the movie um i the the insider trading reveal did not strike me as like it was supposed to be framed as particularly a big bombshell yeah, within maybe. the movie um i i i think i see why it comes there like thematically because like that's the moment when she's like wondering like what moment what action to take and when she would have some curiosity about actually engaging with her father about like the reason that he has been out of work um and and like when she sees some similarity between like her moral dilemma and what his moral dilemma was and like that's why she engages with him on that topic in the moment um uh yeah, and I, I, you know, from there, I think, th- I think that moment is, at, like, from her per character's arc, I think it is, I fairly well handled. I would say, like, I think it's, it sort of is interesting for her to c- consider, like, yes, this is what it is to like speak up, and like, you're gonna bear this personal cost. She has like been fairly explicitly threatened by like Frank and and other characters uh, up to this point, um, and uh, she. You know, she has to decide. Like, am I gonna, am I gonna t- potentially take the hit by by bringing this to the light, or am I gonna uh, hold, gonna, you know, gonna get like that great letter of recommendation and, and like have my and get that personal gain that like is more guaranteed if I keep this quiet. Um, you know, so so it, it definitely it's definitely interested in that time and place of like, you know, the 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 insider trading, the like the housing market, like there's all this sort of like capitalism stuff throughout the movie uh that i think that's sort of like why why it comes up specifically in that moment uh is sort of just to 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 draw those parallels in with her moral dilemma more explicitly that i think a movie if it does something i think if it does a thing very well it's setting it in that time in like early 2000s time and place with as you said single and it mentions topics such as like the housing market and stuff like insider trading and I think it's a lot of the the topics and the themes that bounce around it and that specific thing uh, just build a picture to me that I think is very effective of yeah everybody here is a little dirty this is like an upper middle class community in Long Island so everybody so a lot of people here are, are implicit and explicit in a bunch of dirty things and everybody mm-hmm. has so I just think it's trying to communicate like the dangers of her speaking up at the end he said is like it's like it's, it's like trying not to present herself as like a position of moral purity but also understand that a person is doing something wrong so somebody needs to say something because if nobody says anything then this is allowed to continue and which is a, I think, a very good perspective to have in the movie, considering that I think there's something that you might you hinted at Jesse in a previous conversation about it, but it's like, because it's like Frank versus like the education board is like a, still uh, a dilemma where you could lean mm-hmm. towards Frank because he's got he is sort Absolutely. of getting his poison yes. in a way where where he's like doing all this great work and grading all these people property value and getting money and like theoretically he's not getting paid much for it but it's good to have like yeah yeah to to just uh yeah go ahead uh just uh just to um 
sorry to interrupt you, but just to uh, clarify, to, to say exactly what where my uh, thoughts on that come from, there's the scene towards the end with uh, Frank and Ray Romano after Ray Romano has found out where Frank is basically arguing for himself, and he's like, hey, I mean, I'm actually doing something for society. You're just, like, doing this Wall Street bullshit. Why should you be making so much more money than me? And I come out of that conversation being like, oh, yeah, he's right. Now, the, I guess the problem I then have is that his big thing is, like, getting the school to number one on the rankings. And those right. school rankings, both in terms of uh, colleges and high schools, are absolute bullshit they yes. mean nothing right. it's just like oh how many students can you get to take an ap test whether right. they pass it or not and all yeah. sorts of bullshit statistics like that right. so but there is he is there are still he is definitely it makes it pretty clear that there are things that he is doing that are good that are helping the school system even if maybe his ultimate goal is is maybe kind of and I think that's that's part of what you were saying earlier, is that another thing that I, when I was watching it, maybe had a little bit of an issue with, is like how much emphasis at the very end it puts on his vanity as being like the kind of defining character flaw. But I think if you tie that in kind of to the the school rankings thing and how much, bu how, how much bullshit that is and how that was his focus, even if he was generally genuinely invested in uh in making the school better i think that ties together really well in terms of character and theme yeah i mean it's a movie about a person who thinks he deserves the world and it's like interesting the arguments it lets him make on his own behalf and it's interesting the arguments that are made against him and just like the weird, complicated messiness of it, of like, yeah, maybe all of this, mo all of this money and all of this benefit shouldn't go to the like these like property housing assholes, but also maybe it should go to the students and not to yourself. So it's like a complicated issue, right? Yeah. It, obviously, yeah. one of the bigger reveals placed in the movie is regarding his sexuality and how he is a man who is very attractive, so he's desired by a lot of women, but he is on the low homosexual so he's has to keep a part of his life hidden from the people who he makes decisions for and the school community because obviously in the early 2000s it isn't as accepted as it, as it is now though it might still not be accepted now in those certain places so to say but still it's like I, I, I caught, what, what it reminded me a lot when I watched it is obviously like the work of Patricia Highsmith, which is an author who's been adapted into movies a lot of times when works like Carol and the uh, talented Mr. Ripley and Strangers of a tr on a Train and she how she plays with like how like previous to the current movement of LGBT acceptance there is like the trope of like the the duplicitous homosexuality of like somebody having to be a liar in one aspect of their life leads them to be a liar in a whole other aspect of their life because it just comes na more naturally to them and whether that is like a slightly offensive portrayal or not i cannot comment on as a person who maybe isn't a hundred percent straight but also would certainly would not like to put myself in the canon of lgbtq people out there because i 
that would be conferring too much importance on myself. But I think it is an incredibly compelling thing to watch on screen. On though, just like you can see in Hugh Jackman's face, the compromises that he has to make to live as a human being. So he also decides to just like fuck over other people in other aspects of life, or maybe it's less towards or fair, and just the pressures that are put on him by an unfair school board and the way that that manifests within himself as a person who sees himself doing nothing wrong and the community around him and how they respond to that. And that's what I really responded to. But I do, I will agree with Jesse that I think the Geraldine Viswanathan, I don't know how to pronounce that name fully. Um, that was pretty much it. Pl- yeah, okay. Uh, it, it's maybe not fully there as a character, probably due to things like Andy said, where it, it's it's clearly a composite character. So maybe some like more compelling specifics are lost in translation. Yeah, I mean, that compositing allows you to also have the dramatic creation of him bringing about his own downfall, basically, even though that's kind of not the case, because uh, Alice and Janney's son is kind of the one who brings about his downfall. Uh, and I, I think that is a very effective, dramatic creation. It's just that it doesn't quite managed to fit itself in the way it should. Basically all I got to say about bad education. Anybody else? Colin, you got something to say? Uh, I mean, I guess I would just say that I take the opposite opinion of Joe Jett and that I do give a damn about bad education. Oh, no. <laughs> um, great. Uh, so- um, Jesse, I would like you to take that part where we were roasting Colin early, and I would like you to double it. <laughs> put it right. Put it right there. I'll okay. play heel. As in, <laughs> as in, just I'm not mean. I'm just now. unlikable. Um, yeah, I, and I no, we talked briefly about like it. I think it's an incredibly good looking movie. I think the yes. score is incredible. Oh, yes. Um, it's like got got this like classical music style of like where that gives it like this very grand uh opera almost operatic feeling that i really loved um and and yeah and just again i you know i shouted out some of the 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 smaller characters earlier uh jeremy shamos as like the guy who like is supposed to have been doing the books all along and like has fucked up i really love him a lot he just Mm -hmm. looks so upset the whole time Mm -hmm. and it's great um and uh annalee ashford as uh, allison janney's niece who is um uh you know what does does not quite grasp like how deep the corruption goes but like definitely wants to get her piece of the pie uh she i i love her a lot um uh, but, but both these both those actors are people who i've seen on stage who I, uh, am in the tank for mm-hmm. a bit but i mm-hmm. but i think they're both terrific yeah i would right. Healy, that I, oh. I i also think it looks very good and i also like uh andy had the opportunity to watch it at tiff last year after I had missed it at TIFF a couple of times after being excited for it and then decided to stay an extra days in TIFF in search for some strange and ended up watching. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Jesus. <laughs> Is that what you want to go on record with the reasoning? All right. <laughs> and ended up watching it and had a good time and it was better than any strange I could have gotten. Oh. <laughs> Is, uh, Even the, doc- also... the good doctor strange? <laughs> It's better than Doctor Strange. I also uh, have seen one of the actors uh, in this on stage, uh, Steven Spinella, who plays uh, Hugh Jackman's partner. I saw play Severus Snape. 
That's right. I yes, I saw him do that too, and uh, and and uh-huh. a couple other characters in uh, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Yeah, uh, right. Uh, I was also gonna shout out uh, Kaylee Carter, who isn't really in it that much. Doesn't get a whole lot to do. Uh, she plays Alice and Jenny's daughter, and she is so good in uh, Private Life as. Uh, Catherine Hahn and Paul Giamatti's niece, and she needs to get more bigger roles. She she is quite good with her uh, not very much to do in this. Looks like she's in Mrs. America as well. Oh, who's she playing? She's Pamela. Okay. <laughs> Pat I'm Ely, guessing um, she doesn't get that much to do based on that reaction. He's- also very good in bad, bad education. He plays uh, sort of like the investigator that comes in at the end to like clean up everyone's mess and has like a really great scene with um, Jackman's uh, partner. Right. Yeah. Uh, and yep, it's it's HBO uh, bought it. So it's now just available on all HBO platforms, uh, HBO Now, HBO Go, HBO Proper, soon to be HBO Max, um, and it's very much worth your time, I would say. Also uh, features actress uh, Catherine Narducci, who plays the mom who hits on Jackman at the beginning, and she's also Al Capone's sister in Capone. It all comes back to Capone. Yeah. Capone. Yes, just ti- just title this our Capone episode, Jesse. Yeah. All roads lead to Fonzo. <laughs> and Capone is absolutely not going in the title of the episode. Uh, <laughs> uh yeah. Do we do we have anything else to say on bad education? There's the scene where uh, where Hugh Jackman and his uh, the younger guy that he's also been seeing throughout this Raphael movie are dan- yeah th- where they're dancing uh, as the the shit is kind of hitting the fan. Is that the scene where the Moby song is playing, or is it some other song? Um, is that not the song, scene where the Dido song is playing? No, that's at the end, isn't it? Oh, I thought they used it twice, but... Uh, maybe? I'm the wrong person to ask about what song is playing, but I do think that character... I, we haven't talked about that character really at all. Uh, right. That character is, uh, I guess, uh, on a, a very interesting element. It's So he plays a, a, a young man who Hugh Jackman used to teach when back when he was like mm-hmm. an English teacher um, or history or whatever subject he taught. Um, uh, and he, and who Hugh Jackman, like, strikes up a romantic relationship with. Uh, one of the more dicey elements in the movie to, like, think about and, like, what it means about Hugh Jackman's, like, I don't think it reflects very well on the, on the character in a way that I think is interesting. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, that arc is, is, is well handled. And I think it does make the reveal later that Hugh Jackman, like, has, is in a long-term relationship with a man, uh, hit that much harder. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, the, to, uh, the the scene, the song I was thinking of in that scene where they're dancing is indeed the Moby song in this world. Yeah. So yeah, 
if we're wrapping up, do we maybe want to preview what a couple of our upcoming episodes are? Not in terms of who the guests are, but just in terms of what movies we're going to be watching going forward. So that maybe some people people have some stuff to check out uh, if they want to be well, more prepared for those episodes. So next week we're ending our Can 2009 series. Yep. Uh, our list of the director's Fortnite movies that we're covering is on our Letterboxd. Um, and then the week after that, we're breaking format a little bit. We're doing a commentary of our 2019 Palm Dolly winner, Dark Waters. Yes, and then uh, in terms of some new movies we're going to be discussing probably next month, this weekend, uh, the day that this episode is getting released, I think I've probably already mentioned a couple movies that are coming out are uh, um, 14, the Dan Salit movie, uh, and uh, The Wolf House by, it's a duo of directors... Uh, that's a, a Kim Stim release. It came out uh, several years ago in some part in 2018, but is finally getting its U.S. release. Uh, Joaquin Cosina and Cristobal Leon are the two directors of that movie. Uh, but yeah, we'll probably be talking about those. Uh, Shirley's coming Shirley, out yeah. on June 5th. The next week, we're going to have an episode focused on that and maybe some other new movies. The following week, The Five Bloods will be coming out, the Spike Lee movie on Netflix. So we'll be doing an episode on that. And then after that, we've got a couple of interesting episodes coming out. We're going to be doing another draft. Uh, this time for the Venice 2018 competition. Uh, so those are some movies to check out. I'd imagine a lot of people will have at least seen a few movies from that competition. There's some, uh, some pretty high-profile stuff. You've got First Man. We've got The Favorite. Uh... Roma. Roma, of course, wins the Golden Lion. Buster Scruggs. The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. And and Colin did say Vox Lux. I want to make sure we call attention yes. to that. That's his contribution to this conversation, is Vox Lux. And then... <laughs> Listen, we'll talk about and it. And then do we want to say what the next episode is, or do we want to... I would say, let's just say we have another uh, jury on the horizons, and yes. uh, it's going to be a, a, a quite, a, quite a jury, I would say. Yes. Yeah, yeah. that's a way to put it. Uh-huh. <laughs> Guaranteed fun, I would say. Yes. All right. Yeah, summer's almost coming and we're excited about it, is the last word I'll say. <laughs> Beak ready and rock steady, baby. Yeah. Sun's out, guns out. So with that, Fucks with if it. you want uh, to to see some of these lists, uh, the, the, the list of directors' Fortnite movies that we're covering, maybe we'll also put up a list for reference of the Venice 2018 competition, even though we're not going to 
talk about everything from that. It's not gonna. It's not gonna because we're doing the draft. We're not gonna be all focusing on the same movies. We're gonna be a little more spread out. But we may put up some kind of uh, uh, lists for reference or. Uh, uh, there's probably already a list that we could link to. Uh, so if you want to find that, you can go to our letterbox, which is Can I Kick It Odd? O-D? Not the word odd, but odd is in the last two letters of pod. And if you want... But if that is linked in the description, if that's too confusing. And you can also follow us on Twitter... At Can I Kick It, just the name of our podcast with oh. no spaces. We should also say uh, we uh, not eligible to be voted in by the time you're hearing this, but we do have a poll right now on our Twitter. We're probably going to do a live tweet of a movie soon. Yeah. As that's in vogue right yeah, now. Yeah, it's going to be a movie from a recent can competition. It's We're going to do it either Tuesday evening or Wednesday evening next week. Um, yeah, I can say what the options are. The options, it's good. In fact, you know what I'll do instead is because the poll will be closed tomorrow, I will just record a segment in which I say what the movie is and I say when we will be live tweeting it, and that will go here. So the uh oh my god <laughs> can you believe it uh you can follow... that date yeah <laughs> that movie <laughs> yeah uh so you can follow me at JP Glick Weber on Twitter that link is in the description as well as all of our twitters and I'm the same thing on Letterboxd. Do you have anything uh, you want to plug yes, Jesse I'm going to plug for my old movie plug, I'm going to plug the movie that I watched last night instead of watching anything remotely relevant to this podcast. Uh, because for some reason, as opposed to in the past when I've very much struggled with paying attention to older movies, now it's the exact opposite. I can totally laser focus in on an older movie, but anything new is like, oh boy. Uh, so, last night I watched Orson Welles' The Lady from Shanghai, and oh my god, that movie is so good. It's got all sorts of twists and turns, and you never know what's coming. Uh, Orson Welles is great in it, with a slightly ridiculous Irish accent. Uh, Rita Hayworth is great in it, is the femme fatale. Mwah! Alright, my turn now? Go ahead. Uh, I... I'm at Andy T. Germ on uh, all n- notable social media platforms, at least that I'm familiar with. Uh, please come find me and follow me and be my friend. Uh, I would like that very much if you did that. Um, I don't really have an old movie to plug this week. Uh, I did watch Molly's Game this week, and that was fun. Uh, fun movie. And played it at a festival. So, you know, a lot of people go- watching that right now, and I would say it continues to be very watchable. Emilio? You, you go before me. Why? Uh, okay, fine. I'll go. I'll plug uh, my Twitter, obviously. Clatchley, C L A T C H L E Y. Always slinging that good Twitter content. And I will, despite being bullied for it earlier, <laughs> hit the three peat and plug Terrence Malick's Song to Song, a masterpiece. <laughs> what a fool I was to not have any Malick on my decade list. He's the best. Terry, we love you, baby. <laughs> 
Terry, if song you'd like to come song. on the podcast, song we'd love song. to have you. We'll talk Zoolander. Yeah, I would love to talk Zoolander. Absolutely. We'll talk Zoolander and SoundCloud rappers. Mm-hmm. And also Chappie? You like Chappie? Right? Maybe. Also, uh... Or did he just like Die Antwoord? Die Antwoord is in Song to Song. <laughs> Opens the movie. Great. Uh, I'll also plug the Ibero America Twitter that Jesse is running, <laughs> where he's doing a March Madness style bracket of voting for uh, Ibero uh, America directors, which picked up some traction when Marco Dutra replied to one of his yes, picked uh, up lots tweets. of traction. <laughs> Did he win? Did Marco Dutra win? He that, is that winning. Contest? Still ongoing. Okay. He's he's doing Boy, pretty really well. Him and, him, and Ju- him and Juliana Rojas, uh, directors of Good Manners, which maybe we'll talk about at some point. Maybe we'll get Marco Dutra on the podcast. Yeah, we'd be great. <laughs> Is it my turn now? Yeah, go for it, Emilio. <laughs> Close okay, this out strong. On Twitter at follow me on Twitter at I'm Left Alone. Follow me on Letterbox at I Left Alone. Uh, hit me up on my celly. Kiss me through the phone. Soldier Boy, tell him. Uh, my, my plug for a thing is you should play the video game Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. That's a good video game. Also, watch New Girl Season 2. Movies, what's that? See you next week. <laughs> Jesse, say the thing. Oh, yes. Uh, I was scrolling through Twitter. Just say it! Let's do it! All good stuff, I'm gonna baby. release our audience now. Bye-bye! Bye! Bye! <laughs> Bye.